welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 4, Episode 5. I'm thrilled to have you back here, my friends, and there's a lot going on in Italy right now. As I'm sure you may have been following the news, or maybe you've read in a recent edition of Real News from Italy, Italy had an election yesterday, Sunday, September 25th, and it appears from the results, at least the early results of the election, that Italy has elected their very first female prime minister. Georgia Maloney. Now, Georgia Maloney is a member of the Brothers of Italy party. I believe the Italian way of saying that is Fratelli d'Italia. According to the Brothers of Italy party, they would like to see Italy be more free to make their own decisions and not be so heavily influenced by the European Union. This would include everything from financial influence to policy influence and immigration and so on and so forth. So anyway, there are some people that are very, very happy that Georgia Maloney has been elected because they're happy that Italy now has its very first female prime minister. I think that's a wonderful thing as well. I am waiting to see how she does. I'm going to give her a chance to prove herself one way or the other. There are a lot of people, a lot of Italians, Alessandro included, who sort of throw up their hands with just sort of frustration about Italian politics. Italian politics are much more complex and there are many more moving parts than there are in the United States, I would say. The United States politics, which are also quite a mess, to be honest, they're not quite as complicated, in my personal opinion, as Italian politics. Italian politics have, instead of being a two-party system, which I don't really think is great, but there's basically two major parties in the United States. In Italy, there are like five or six major parties and then a lot of minor parties. And so the Brothers of Italy party has taken 26% of the vote, and that doesn't sound like a lot. How could you gain control of the country and be voted the next prime minister of the country if you've only earned 26% of the vote? Well, what happens in Italy is, and this happens in places like Great Britain as well, party or the leader who brings in the most number of votes. If they don't get over 51% of the vote, which is a very rare thing in Italy for anybody to get over 51% of the total population, because that's just almost unheard of in the multi-party system that Italy has, what you have to do then is, as the person or as the party, in this case, Brothers of Italy, Georgia Maloney, they have to then form a government, which is called a coalition government. And that means they have to have other parties who feel that they are somewhat closely aligned, their interests, their values are somewhat closely aligned, and they can find some common ground on issues, they sort of join forces. And whatever percentage they bring in, for example, the Cinque Stelle, the five-star party, I believe, is joining Georgia Maloney. They think they brought in something somewhere around 15% of the vote. So that's getting them closer to that 51% that they need. So anyway, 
I am not an expert on Italian politics. If you have any information and you'd like to share it with me and correct me, please do. I'm always open to that. I am not presenting myself as a political expert by any means. I'm learning this as I live in Italy, so it is an, an ever-evolving process. But I'm curious to see what's going to happen with this new party coming into power. Now, I've shared with you before I'm a basically an independent. I, I don't really like how divisive politics are around the world right now. I don't like it in the United States. I don't like it in Italy. I think that people are far too divided and we have more things in common than what we, what we realize. And I think the news media tends to focus on the negatives and they, they tend to sling mud at each other. And I think that that just stirs up anger and hatred. And, and then next thing you know, you can't even talk to your neighbor anymore or your family member because they're of a different political orientation than you are. I think part of the reason why the Brothers of Italy party, led by Giorgia Meloni, have prevailed in this recent election is because a lot of Italians don't like the direction things are going in Italy. And when things aren't going the way you'd like them and, and life isn't going well, prices are skyrocketing and things are, are feeling a bit out of control, then maybe it's time to sort of clear the deck and start new with someone with some fresh new ideas. Italians are just as frustrated as people from a lot of other countries right now with their political situation. And so you have a lot of people that are very excited about what just happened in this recent election in Italy. And you have a lot of other people who are very angry and very upset about it. Because now you have a woman who has only really gained 26% of the vote. That's more than any other party. But now you're leading a country where you only have the support of 26% of the people in that country. I would find that to be a very challenging place to be as a leader of any country. And so anyway, it's going to be interesting to hear what happens and, and to watch and observe what happens. And I am certainly going to keep you posted on what happens. I'd also very quickly like to share with you that the those of you who are signed up at All Roads Lead to Italy for the real news from Italy, I am shifting that publication date to Tuesdays. So that will be coming out on Tuesdays now. I originally had it set for the weekend and that was working for me for quite a while, but now I'm switching that to Tuesdays just because it's just, it's more convenient for my schedule. I just want to quickly give you a heads up that Real News from Italy will now be coming out on Tuesdays. I have some really great interviews coming up in the next month here for the podcast. I'm really excited to share those with you, so be sure and stay tuned to all of those upcoming interviews. Like I've shared with you before, many of you who are listening to this podcast have been traveling and are traveling or will be traveling to Italy this fall. And we're now coming towards the end of September. A lot of you have already traveled to Italy. I've gotten your messages and heard from you and, and heard your stories. And it's been, it's been a really wonderful time for you to travel. Some of you are just getting ready and some of you are still in Italy. And so anyway, it's just been great to hear from you. I recently was just talking to one of my very longtime listeners, Timothy, from Santa Barbara, California. Timothy is riding his bike across Italy, which is just incredible. He said he's been listening to the podcast as he's riding his bike 
around on the hills, which are, you know, the hills and the mountains uh, of Italy are no joke. So that is some pretty impressive biking across Italy. If you really look at a topographical map of the country of Italy, you find that Italy is covered in hills and mountains. I just, I couldn't, I can't even imagine. I'm so impressed by anybody who can bike across a country or bike anywhere. I, I'm not only am I afraid of getting ran over by a hit by a car, because I know how hard it is to see bikers sometimes, but also I just find it to be such an impressive way to travel rather than traveling in the luxury of a vehicle or a train to bike your way across the country. You're certainly going to burn off all of those carbs that you're consuming when you're eating pasta or pizza or any of those wonderful Italian food. So anyway, best of luck to you, Timothy. Thank you for letting me know how your trip is going. I also just heard from Susan Abbott, who is a wonderful artist from Vermont. And she has been actually teaching a course, an art course in Florence. And she's been visiting Venice and other places, but she's getting ready to head back home as well. I've been so excited to watch her post her pictures online. You should follow her on Instagram, by the way. It's Susan Abbott underscore art. That's Susan, S-U-S-A-N, Abbott, A-B-B-O-T-T underscore art. So follow Susan Abbott and look at some of her wonderful paintings. She's a fabulous artist and she's just been visiting Italy. So some of her recent paintings of Italy are on her Instagram account. You should definitely follow her. So I just please continue to share your travel stories in Italy with me. And I just love hearing from you. One thing I want to quickly share with you, and that's, this is something that Timothy, who is biking across Italy, it's something that he shared with me. He mentioned that he had purchased the ExpressVPN for traveling while he was traveling in Italy. He's been hearing me talk about it. He decided he would purchase it and use it while he was traveling in Italy. And he mentioned that he was having a hard time figuring out how to use it for making calls and text messages from Italy back to the United States. And one thing I want to mention is that and he even called ExpressVPN and spoke to someone in one of the, you know in their support and asked them what he should do and they didn't even really have the ability to tell him how to handle this and so i want to be really clear about how ExpressVPN works for making calls and text messages you have to make sure that your phone has the ability to do wi-fi calling first of all and you have to have a Wi-Fi connection. And maybe that's something I haven't clarified enough. I don't ever want to mislead anybody. And I personally find ExpressVPN to be one of the best things that you can use while you're in Italy. Like I've shared with you many times, you can, you know, you can use public Wi-Fi without being hacked. You can use all your streaming services while you're traveling, otherwise they would be locked. And having the ability to, to make and receive text messages while you're abroad is another benefit. But your phone, your roaming has to be turned off. In fact, oftentimes I turn my phone onto airplane mode and then connect it to a Wi-Fi service while I have my VPN enabled. So what that's doing is that's giving me a very secure connection. Nobody can hack into my phone. If I'm at a hotel and I'm using their Wi-Fi or if I'm at a cafe and I want to send text messages or make a phone call. So just make sure that you have your roaming from your carrier disabled and you can even 
I have an iPhone, so it's a little bit harder for me to give you advice if you have an Android phone or a Samsung or a different style of phone other than an iPhone. But with iPhones, it works very, very well. Turn your phone to airplane mode, make sure that your roaming, your data roaming is off, and make sure your Wi-Fi calling is enabled on your phone, and then with an internet connection, you should have no trouble making and receiving phone calls. Make sure that your VPN is set to whatever state you are in back home. So, for example, I usually have my VPN set to New York because that's where I lived before I moved to Italy. So I just, my phone always thinks that it's in New York thanks to the VPN. So anyway, I just wanted to quickly give you that update. If you ever have any trouble using ExpressVPN, feel free to reach out to me and ask me a question. I'd be happy to tell you how it works for me. Let's go ahead and transition over to Vera's segment, La Vera Italia. My favorite segment to record every week is with this new segment with Vera. So she has something really great to share us that's very timely. I know you're going to find this segment very interesting, as always. So here we go. Here's our segment of the week, La Vera Italia with Vera. Hello, Vera. Welcome back to another segment of La Vera Italia. Ciao Nathan, grazie mille. Come stai? Molto bene, grazie. It's so nice to have you back. Everybody is loving your segment and I keep getting messages and emails, people reaching out on Instagram telling me how much they're enjoying your segment. And so glad to hear that because I'm having so much fun here that even if your listeners didn't like that, I would have stayed anyway. So <laughs> we are all happy this way. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, what are you going to torture me with today? What are you going to ask me in Italian that I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer? You know, it's the last week of September. So my question will be very, very easy. Mm-hmm. Qual è la tua stagione preferita e perché? <laughs> okay. Qual è la tua stagione preferita e perché? Qual è la tua stagione preferita e perché? Are you asking me which is your favorite season and why? Yes, I am. Great. Wow. Okay. So, can you say the word for season one more time? Stagione. 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 All right, let me see if I can answer you in Italian. La mia stagione preferita è autunno perché mi piace il tempo e il mm, cibo. Mm-hmm. E il colori. E i colori, wow. That was an amazing answer you gave me there. Good. Did I say it correctly, though? That's the question. Yeah. So you said your favorite season is fall, autunno, because you like the weather. Yep. You like the food and the colors. So the weather, il tempo. The food, il cibo. The colors, plural, i colori. Article for fall, so autunno, is l with an apostrophe. L'autunno, l'autunno. Right. right. 
Okay, but did I say those all correctly or were you correcting me? No, you're, you said probably uh, the article for colori wrong. E colori? Yeah, it's e colori. And then you said, uh, my, la mia stagione preferita è autunno. You didn't put an article there. Okay, I needed to do l'autunno. L'autunno, yes. Okay, got it. All right. Okay, well, thank you. That was great. I can't believe I made it through another <laughs> one of your questions. I just keep, I just know that there's going to come a week when I'm just like, okay, I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're saying. But I think because you know that I'm stressed out about this, you're giving me, you're giving me easy questions, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I want you to feel good about this because you, I want you to build your confidence enough. As you see, you gave me a perfect answer with a lot of different words in there. That was good because you were relaxed because you understood the question. Mm. Well, thank you. That was that was good. We're going to build up to more complicated questions mm -hmm. in the future, but I appreciate you going easy on me for this <laughs> first season together. <laughs> and you know what? I love uh, fall too. It's my favorite season. I love the colors, yeah. And I love the fact that everything is finally a little bit more quiet after summer and that you can just stay home cozy and things like that. But there is something I don't like about fall. <laughs> I just got a bit cough and cold because it's the first rainy day after I don't even know how many months. Mm -hmm. So that's the only down part of fall. Well, fortunately for you, me, and our listeners, we're going to talk about something really, really interesting today that actually has to do with that, aren't we? Uh-huh. Yes, we are. And it's home remedies for season sickness or cold or whatever. So Italian home remedies, of course. Amazing. I can't wait to hear this. This is perfect because... I just came down with a case of strep throat over the past week. And so I'm just kind of recovering from that. I'd love to hear what Italians would do for like a sore throat, a cold, a flu, a fever, all these different things. So I'm excited to hear what, what Italians have been doing for probably millennia or at least <laughs> centuries to cure all of these ailments. <laughs> yeah, well, the first thing is prevention of course because prevention is better than the cure right so mm -hmm. first of all there are things that you should avoid do or that you should always do especially when the seasons change because fall and spring but mostly fall are the worst time of the year um, in this case so the first thing is actually a sentence that I'm going to tell you. So you had an easy question at first, but now you have to translate some more Italian. Copriti che fa freddo. Oh, geez. Um, one more time, a little slower. Copriti che fa freddo. I'm giving you an order. So that's the imperative form of the verb coprire. Coprire. Mm -hmm. And you know fa freddo, right? Yes, it's, uh, yeah, basically like cover yourself so you don't get cold, right? Because it's cold. Right, yeah. okay, cover yourself because it's cold. Yeah, and that's a sentence Italian mamma say all the time, right? Even in 
summer as soon as you have the sun <laughs> disappearing they're like completely <laughs> even if it's 24, I mean, 75 Fahrenheit degrees outside. They're like, yeah, put on a sweater or something. And so we wear sweaters and shoes and socks. Otherwise, you will get a cold. So that's the first thing we are taught. That's how we grow up. Copriti che fa freddo. And even in summer, but especially in fall during the day, even a sweater on your shoulder is enough. So... You might think, oh, Italians are so fashionable with their sweater on their shoulders, right? It's not fashion, is that otherwise you catch a cold. That that's why we have it there. Okay. So prevention, basically, yeah. Just covering up and always dry your hair before going up. And most importantly, keep your belly warm, especially after a meal, or you will get stomachache or stomach issues. Mm-hmm. Keep your belly warm after a meal. <laughs> yeah. So after you've had dinner or lunch or whatever, maybe just put a sweater on your stomach or a little blanket if you're home. Just cover your stomach, your belly, this part of your body, because digestion is going on there and you need, I mean, not I'm not a doctor here. I'm not saying that you need it, but that's what our mothers and grandmothers always told us. Cover your belly after a meal, especially if it's cooler outside uh-huh. or you get sick or that meal will stuck there and you won't have a good digestion. Yeah. All right. Very good. That's interesting. <laughs> and then there's the funniest thing and actually the most important one. Another Italian sentence. Are you ready? Yes. Non prendere mai il sole nei mesi con la R. R is the letter R. The letter of the alphabet. Uh, oh. Letter R. Oh, oh, literally. Yeah, oh. literally. That's R. Oh, well, that I know. I thought it was a word. Got it. Okay. No, no, no. It's the letter R. And mesi is months. Right. Okay. That's... For some reason, I was thinking corn. <laughs> That's mice. Uh, close, but not close. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking to myself, corn, watch out, because there's corn in the air. <laughs> <laughs> non prendere mai il sole nei mesi con la R. Okay, wait a minute. I've just, I just got it. Okay. Don't be out in the sun during months that have R's in them. Yes, correct. Wow. <laughs> so basically, settembre, ottobre, novembre, dicembre, febbraio, marzo e aprile. You shouldn't be out in the sun. Shouldn't be out in the sun during all of those months, basically. Or fall sunbathe, through, you know. Fall through spring. Oh, don't don't try to sunbathe during those months. Yeah, or stay a lot in the sun. You can do that in January, because in Italian, we don't have an R. And yeah, pretty much just January. Mm. And then, of course, June, July, and August. June, July, and August. That's when you need to be in the sun. Yeah, but there's a reason for that. You know, it's just an old idiom, an old suggestion uh, Mm. that grandmothers give, but it's in September, October, and November, 
The sun is still pretty hot here in Italy because we are in the southern part of Europe, but the air is cold. So maybe you are wearing a sweater because your mom told you to, because copriti che fa freddo, right? And then you're there in the sun, maybe just having a cappuccino in your piazza, but you're choosing a table right in the middle of the square in the piazza under the sun. And you sweat a little bit because the sun is so strong and powerful still. But then the air is chilly and you don't want to get air, chilly air, when you're sweating or, you know, just the sun warmed you up too much, you'll get a cold or a fever or the flu. Oh, interesting. Those Italian mothers and grandmothers, they're... They're actually smarter than we give them credit for, maybe. <laughs> yeah, probably. I never listened to them. So <laughs> December, there's a sunny day. I'm out getting all the sun I can because sure. sun in December. And I stay right in the house with my curtain clothes in July because it's too hot. <laughs> right. But still, yeah, they might have a point there. So you don't have such a thing as months with the R or months without the R in in the U.S. I haven't heard that exact. I mean, I suppose, you know, the only thing similar to that that I've heard is you don't eat seafood or shellfish during any months that have R's in them. Oh. Or wait a minute. Is it the opposite? You <laughs> you better know that because it might be dangerous. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's either you, I think it's you can only have seafood during months with R in them. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you can have seafood any month, but uh, any month, basically like what you said, the same months, because in English, of course, there are, there is an R in January. So mm-hmm. that would mean all the way from September through, I believe April is like, is like great for seafood and shellfish. And it's not seafood. It's specifically shellfish. So things okay. like soft shells, like as well, like crab and things like that, but also like clams and oysters and things like that. So you eat those, I think, during September through uh, April, and then May, June, July, and August, you avoid those kinds of food. It's just because, I guess it's because they're in season or something, and they're fresher during those other months. I don't know. Nice to know that we have the same R months idea right there. Yeah, right. I'm going to have to make sure. I'm going to double check that and make sure that I have that correct. But um, anyway, that's the only thing. I, I don't, I've never heard it in relation to preventing sickness. So, of course, because Italians are so worried about getting sick that <laughs> there you go. We have to find a reason for anything. So, now that we talked about these preventive actions that we do not to get sick, we still get sick, right? So we use rimedi della nonna. Grandmother's remedies. Yeah, that's how we say home remedies because there's no home without a nonna, right? So we call them rimedi della nonna, of course. Amazing, amazing. And obviously there are hundreds of them. Every family has different ones and you can find different ones from north to south, more general or so on. And just giving you a few, the ones that I heard from my family. And for example, for the cold, like I have today and a little bit of cough, the easiest thing probably to do or the things that we are always told to do is baking soda fumigation. That's how you say? No? Or maybe you... We wouldn't use the word fumigation. Okay. 
How do you say that? We would probably use, uh, well, first of all, tell me what it is that, that the remedy is, and then I'll tell you what I think we would call it. Boiling water. You put some baking soda in it, and then you put a towel on your head and breathe in. Okay. Well, we wouldn't call that fumigation because that's what we refer to in farming. Okay. Um, growing up on a farm, we would always fumigate a, a field after or before you were going to plant a new crop to make sure that you didn't have anything bad in the soil. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, sterilize the soil in a way. But what you're talking about is what we, we would say is like uh, basically taking like a vapor treatment. Yeah, vapor treatment. Okay. Yeah, something But you like don't that. have a special name for that. I think that like um, when babies have, when babies are little and they have croup, you know, where they, they have that horrible cough. I don't yeah. know what it's called in Italian. What's it called in Italian when baby has that, that terrible baby cough? I think they, it's pertosse, but I'm not sure about it. That sounds maybe. Could be pertosse. Yeah, yeah pertosis. Yeah. And, and the sort of common word is croup. And that's, I mean, I had a lot of little brothers and sisters growing up and they would mm -hmm. get that. And so we would have to put in their bedroom one of those things that makes steam yeah. come out into the room. And there was something that you would put into the water. Wasn't exactly baking soda. That's probably a more old fashioned remedy. We would put yeah. like Vicks or something that would open their lungs, open their, their breathing up. But yeah, eucalyptus okay. too. Yeah. So like breathing in all the steam from a pasta pot with a towel on your hand and some baking soda inside or something as like uh, essential oils or rosemary. That's also something grandmas mm. do. Rosemary is also very good. Mm -hmm. In Italian, it's actually called sufumigi or fumenti, depending on the region. So there's the word fumo in there, like mm -hmm. in fumigation in English. Uh, but fumo in Italian is smoke. So anything that comes out in the form of smoke, right? Oh, is is just a really quick uh, Vera? Is is there is the same word used for steam and smoke? Uh, no, it's actually vapore steam and fumo smoke. But in the word sufumigi, there's the word fumo, not steam. Probably because it's an old word and they didn't separate the two. I see. Okay. Sorry to interrupt, and, you were saying. No, no, it's okay. And so we, uh, I had no idea how to say this in English. So I checked on a dictionary and it said fumigation in English. So it has something similar mm -hmm. to it. I mean, the origin of the word, but you can not always trust dictionaries. Uh, so that's why you need to study Italian, first of all. And also when you need something, maybe you go to the drugstore and talk to the doctor. They just explain what you would like to do. Yeah. Instead yeah, of trying right. and say the word. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. I found that, that in some cases, listening to the word, because there's that Latin root in those words. And a lot of times our words are very similar. So, but... You're right. It's so interesting when you try to do a direct translation from Italian into English or vice versa. You you can't always trust a direct translation. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, for example, you can't always trust using a a translator tool because they'll translate exactly what you've put, but then you're not you're still not using the correct word in in either language. So that's why you're right. We need to study Italian. <laughs> yes, you do. Sorry, but. <laughs> No way around it. <laughs> okay. And 
The second one for cold and cough, I really think I'm going to use it tonight. It's a nice glass of hot, warm, hot milk with some honey and grappa. Or if you don't have grappa, you can use cognac or brandy. Okay. So hot milk or warm milk. Mm-hmm. Honey. What was this? Honey is the second thing, okay, to make it a little sweeter. And then some sort of alcohol like cognac or grappa, which is really strong. It is really strong. But that, what does that do? That coats your throat? Tell me what's the purpose for that remedy. Okay. I personally used it several times. And I think milk and honey help you not cough too much. You take this right before going to bed. And, you know, when you lay down, your calf could be worse. So you have trouble falling asleep. I think the honey and milk help you soothe your throat. So for at least half an hour or so, you don't cough and you fall asleep. And the grappa makes you fall asleep faster. I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> or maybe there's so much alcohol that it makes your whole throat sterile it kills all the bacteria in there i don't know once again i'm not a doctor but it works i okay, always sleep after this <laughs> okay that's really that's interesting we have in the united states something called a hot toddy mm -hmm. and my grandmother has made it for me many times my grandmother is not quite as averse to alcohol as my mom so my mom wouldn't really be doling out any kind of alcohol to us, even if it was good for us. She never would give us alcohol of any kind. But my grandmother, she was always really quick with the whiskey. So she would take, <laughs> she would take a nice hot cup of hot water. And to that, she would add lemon juice, the juice of a lemon. And then she'd put the whole lemon in and honey, just mm -hmm. like your recipe. And the alcohol, just like your recipe, or bourbon, or whiskey, or something like that. So it's really just the difference really in the two is water and lemon versus milk. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. And did it work for you? Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. It's <laughs> wonderful. Now, I just, I can't imagine adding milk and alcohol together. I guess, I guess some people do it like Irish coffees have milk in them. Yeah. But... For me, I, I don't know. That's an interesting thing to do. But, I, you know, this is something I think Americans have a hard time with. Warm milk. Why? You love cappuccino. I think the exception is adding cream to coffee or adding cream to something to make it creamier. But it's it's not the primary thing. Old fashioned, you know, if you, oh, you're having trouble sleeping, my grandparents would say, oh, yeah, have some warm milk before bed. But I grew up in a generation where milk is has to be ice cold out of the refrigerator and you pour it over your cereal or you drink ice cold milk with a donut. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I can't, I, I personally start to like almost feel ill at the thought of warm milk because also Americans are so paranoid about having their food go bad they won't leave anything out. The idea for Americans of having eggs, like the Italians leave their eggs out. Americans put everything okay. in the refrigerator, including their milk, everything. That's another thing. <laughs> I know you come to Italy, you go to a supermarket and you see the eggs there and the milk out 
of the fridge. But yeah. there's a reason we don't want to get sick either. We're not that crazy. My eggs are in my fridge. My fresh milk is in the fridge right now. Okay. No. So there's a big difference. Uh, we keep eggs in a part of the supermarket that it's next to the big refrigerators, but not into the fridge because it's more dangerous if you take very cold eggs from the supermarket, put them in your car, maybe it's summer, it's very hot, so they change temperature, and then back home in the fridge again. Eggs are very delicate. You don't want to mess with them because it could get really dangerous for you. So we try not to break the cold a cycle of the eggs by keeping them at a slightly higher temperature in the supermarket, but next to the refrigerator. So it's the mm -hmm. coldest part of the supermarket. Mm -hmm. Then your car is not so much hotter than the supermarket. Mm -hmm. And then you're back home and you put them in the fridge. Oh, really? Yes. We keep our eggs in the fridge. Absolutely. Okay. So you don't leave your eggs out as like you find them in the supermarket, they are, they go into the fridge when you get them home. Yes, they do. Absolutely, they do. We might take them out like half an hour before baking a cake or something because some recipe asks for room temperature eggs. Okay. Other for cold eggs, but they are in the refrigerator. Absolutely. Americans wash their eggs with soap and water and this like antibacterial that completely strips the outside natural sort of naturally occurring film that protects an egg. Whereas Italians, they will, they have a way to brush their eggs, but they don't wash them with water and soap and antibacterial the way Americans do. So Italian eggs, the way they're processed can last outside of refrigeration on the shelf of a, of a non-refrigerated section of the grocery store, for example, and they can even last outside in the home of an Italian for several days or even up to a week without being refrigerated. Whereas American eggs, you couldn't leave them out because they've been washed. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So I, I know. I thought that was quite interesting as well. So you, you, you can't try, like if an American's like, oh, well, Italians leave their eggs out. So, I mean, it's safe to do. I'll leave mine out too. <laughs> you can't do that. Oh. <laughs> But you're telling me it's something too that I didn't know, and that is Italians also refrigerate their eggs when they get them home. Yeah, we do. Also because fridges at home are not as cold as the ones in the supermarkets, and then um, supermarkets are colder than your home because maybe they don't have that much heating on. If you notice that they're always very close to the refrigerators in the supermarket. Mm -hmm. I have noticed that. So that's that's why. That's simply why we don't want the eggs to go through different temperatures in a very short time. It's a way of keeping them safe. But sometimes when I open my egg carton, I still find some hand feather or things like that. So no, we don't wash eggs, I'm sure. I mean, the factories, the, the, the places where the eggs are put into cartons. Americans are so used to having their food in the supermarket be so sterile and clean you will never find a vegetable with even even a, a speck of dirt on it mm -hmm. you will never find an egg with a feather or any sort of grime on it or a little bit of like hay or, or something because americans have this weird thing where they they don't really 
they think their food actually comes from the supermarket than <laughs> instead of coming from a farm. Yeah, that also happens here in big cities. Yeah. But, you know, especially children are like, oh, really? But, you know, we love our vegetables to be very dirty and with mm-hmm. dirt on it. That's and some taste. So that those are the ones that taste better, right? Yeah, well, it also means that they're fresh out of the farm. Mm-hmm. They it's are, interesting. absolutely. It's just an interesting cultural difference. Well, anyway, there we go. As <laughs> usual, I got us way off track. We're not talking about remedies anymore. We're talking about eggs and feathers and <laughs> dirt on vegetables. But let's get back to your remedies. Oh, yeah. Then I think something that is very common to everyone, so fresh squeezed orange juice, spremuta d'arancia. And soaps and plenty of water. But most importantly, rest. So you sleep, you stay in bed, you don't go to work, you don't talk to anyone, you just watch TV and read newspaper and sleep all day. It's very common for Italians with a bad cold or maybe a little temperature, you know, a bit of fever right there to stay home for work a couple of days. We just take it easy. That's the best remedy, right? That is the best remedy. I wish, I wish Americans uh, had that more of that mentality. I think we would probably get each other sick less often, and we would probably recover a lot faster than saying, "Oh no, I I can never, never call in sick to work." Real quickly before we move on to the next thing, can you repeat what you said to describe orange juice? Because I heard a word in there that I've never heard before. Spremuta. D'arancia. The word you never heard is probably spremuta, spremuta. That literally means squeezed, <laughs> okay? Okay. Squeezed of orange because there's also succo d'arancia, succo, and that's the orange juice you buy in a bottle. Maybe it's already uh, squeezed, of course, but sometimes it's not real orange. You just have some orange flavor and water or whatever. It's not real deal. And sugar that it's added to that. While spremuta d'arancia, you take the orange, cut it in half and squeeze it. Spremuta d'arancia. Okay, so not to get too specific here, but let's say that you were at someone's house and you were a guest, and they had fresh squeezed orange juice that they had just squeezed from their oranges that morning, and they were serving it to you, would they call it zucca de arancia, or would they call it spremunta de arancia? Spremunta. 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 Mm-hmm. And one more thing, they would never squeeze their oranges in the morning and then give it to you in the afternoon. You have to drink it right away or it loses all its properties. So they will squeeze the oranges right there in front of you. Got it. Okay. Fresh squeezed orange juice, as we call it. It's spremuta d'arancia. Okay. Interesting. Thank you. And that's for cold and cough. And what if you have a headache? I actually only... Uh, could only think of one remedy, but it's so weird. I don't know if you do that too. So you take a potato, a raw potato, you cut it into thick slices and just put it on your forehead. Okay. <laughs> I know. So you're saying a raw potato yeah. cut cut and put onto your forehead and how how are you holding it on your forehead? 
with your hands or no you're resting so you're laying down on your bed on your couch whatever and sort of you know like cucumbers on your eyes when you're yeah. having uh-huh. self-care day sort of the same thing just keep some potato slice on your forehead and that should do the trick so that is a cure for let's see if i can remember the italian words for it mal di testa yes perfect mal di testa All right. Very good. I remember that from Italian school. Thank you, Maestra Paola. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few things I remember from Italian school. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not a good thing if you remember Italian school and mal di testa. Like Italian school gave you mal di testa? What's what's the deal here? I think there might be a correlation there. (laughs) All right. And now that's the only one for headache that I know of. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of remedies are for, you know, all stomach issues, digestive issues, like things like that. And the most Italian one is canarino. Canarino. No okay. idea what that is. <laughs> okay. Canarino, it's a bird, a tiny yellow bird from the Canary Island originally. Oh, okay. We call them canaries, right? Yeah, you see, that's it. But obviously in Italy... It's the name of the bird, but it's also a drink, something uh, really special that we get, especially after you've eaten too much. So you're like, no, nah, that was too much. And so you got your nonna's remedy, which is this little infusion uh, of lemon zest, but it's really, really strong. So you get just a tiny, tiny bit of this and you're fine. So it's, almost like, a, so it's almost like a digestivo. Yeah, but you make it right there, right away, and it's not as tasty and as good as the real digestivos we have. This is just an excuse. We call them digestivi, but it's actually a drink you like. This is more of a medicine. So it's you're saying it's it's not the juice of a lemon. It's like it's like a lemon with the peel and everything sort of ground together. Yeah, or what? you you take like the zest of a couple of lemons and pour boiling water on them and let them just soak in all the water and then you drink it it's really dark yellow but it's an infusion it's like and you take it a very small one a very shot like a little shot of it so like everybody so you could make it a little a little pan of it and you'd let the the lemon peel sort of steep in that hot water. And then everybody gets a little shot of that that needs it. Well, not everybody, those who needs that, because maybe they feel too full. They feel they had too much to eat and it's not sitting very well with them. And that would be, let's see if I can remember what that condition is called in Italian. Mm-hmm. Is that called a mal di pancia? Yes, mal di pancia, stomachache. Okay, very good. Stomachache, <laughs> got it. And that's just like if you've eaten too much, you can have the canarino or just tea with lemon. Usually it's lemon, the magic remedy. Or if it's too late, you already have nausea or <laughs> you're, yeah, sorry, it's not the best topic, but when you're experiencing uh, your vomiting, you have a lot of vomit episodes, then there's the best medicine of all. And it's something new, sort of like my grandmother probably started. Because it's Coke, American (laughs) Coke. So it's not millennia old as a tradition, (laughs) but it's perfect. So you let it sit in the air. 
So it, it's not uh, carbonated anymore. It's not bubbling. So you want a flat Coke. And you take a spoon of Coke every 20, 30 minutes. A spoon of Coke every 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. And I swear, when I was in kindergarten, I think, we had all very bad stomach flu. All the kids were sick. And that's what the doctor told me to do. And I was so happy because, you know, you lose a lot of liquid. You don't eat, obviously. And Coke has a lot of sugar and a little bit of caffeine to it. And it gives you energy. And every 30 minutes, it helps you. I don't know. There's a reason. Even doctors say that. Not only home remedies, but. Wow. That's super interesting. So thank you, America, for giving us the best <laughs> remedy. I did not expect you to have Coke on this list, but I think that's very interesting. <laughs> um, okay. And then if you're not feeling well, there is this is not a remedy, but it's something you do. We say, mangiare in bianco. Eat in the white? <laughs> yes. Literally, <laughs> it's eat in the white. It doesn't mean... You have to wear white or be in a white room. It means that all the food you eat is white. So you can eat some rice it's when you have stomach problem, you know. Okay. Uh, usually is rice or can you also be pasta with as a condiment, just a little bit of extra virgin olive oil or even butter, especially if you're in the northern part of Italy. So no ragu, no carbonara, just, you know, in bianco. Uh, you have chicken, maybe. You don't cook it like chicken marsala, which is not even a thing here, but still. You just put it on a on a grill or on a pan and leave it whitest as possible, right? So everything with no color. It means no condiments, but we say mangiare in bianco. So especially for those of you who travel to Italy and maybe have young kids, you know, they're picky eater, they don't like food in restaurants, you can ask for pasta in bianco. So it's just plain pasta with some butter and a little bit of Parmesan cheese on top. Okay. Question for you. Would So you're, you're saying bianco, but it's not necessarily everything has to be strictly white. Like you're not drinking only milk and eating white cheese like mozzarella. You're eating your food plain. Yes. You're basically stripping all the richness and all of the all of the the heaviness out of your food so basically like would would in that category would you say be something like chicken broth yes chicken broth is absolutely something that i would say in bianco okay just a broth that's perfect broth is perfect as considered white when we say plain yeah no comments interesting okay so manja in bianco Mm-hmm. Okay. Bianco, you see? How many mm -hmm. words we're learning today? Yeah. And the last few things I could think of are for toothache. So if you have problems with your teeth, that can also be very helpful. Uh, especially if you're traveling and you don't have your dentist nearby. For example, you can take two or three cloths. You know, the spice, the tiny thing that looks like a nail. Okay. That. Cloves. Yes, cloves. Cloves. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. You put them in your mouth. You keep them close to the tooth that is aching right now for about 30 minutes. And that helps soothe 
your your tooth and your and your mouth and you will be we will feel better right away or you can chew on some sage leaves you take sage the whole leaf put it in your mouth and just keep it there if you have pain or you can rub sage on your teeth to make them whiter make them whiter yep never heard of anybody putting sage for whitening or for tooth pain, but that's good to know. Mm-hmm. So cloves, you take a whole clove. Yeah, maybe two couple, or three. Yeah. A couple of cloves and you just place them by whichever tooth is giving you some pain and leave them there. I feel like I might've heard that as a remedy, even in the United States, something to do with cloves, but that's something that, again, grandparents' generation probably would have mm-hmm. done. And sage. Mm-hmm. And sage. Okay, so since I've been volunteering to to sort of guess what all these ailments are called. Let's see if I can remember what a toothache is called in Italian. I think a toothache is called, now I know I'm going to mess this up because there's teeth and there's tooth. Mm -hmm. Teeth is denti. Tooth is dente. Yes, perfect. So mal de dente. Okay, you see, that's the problem. And that's why you need to study Italian. Because in English, you say tooth ache. We say teeth ache. Even okay. if it's one tooth that has the problem. So, mal di denti. Yes. Okay. Mal di denti. Okay. <laughs> I knew I was going to mess that one up because I, no. I can never remember which is which. Because you see, that's the problem in my head is like, uh, Okay, he said dente singular, dente plural, perfect. He's going to say it right. Only afterwards I realized, yes, of course, because in English it's toothache. So, <laughs> see, it's very, very difficult to speak a foreign language. But it you're doing great. Well, thank you. It definitely takes memorization. I, I've tried and tried to say, okay, it's more you got to learn the rules or you got to learn how to conjugate things, but there's so many little exceptions and there's so many little differences that no matter what, it really just takes time because you have to remember and you have to have used the word in a sentence at least once or twice in the past to even know how to use it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. That's why you need to practice every day. Consistency is the key, even a few minutes, but keep practicing and listening and not only understanding what you hear, but try to, you know, build on that and repeat out loud, even if it sounds crazy, but just do that because your brain needs time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your brain also needs Kike language <laughs> to, help, to help them learn how to speak Italian. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But it took you two years to learn how to say and spell Kike, right? Oh, geez, don't remind me. <laughs> and now you see, you can just say it like that off the top of your head. But it's a slow process. It's like building muscles. You can't go to the gym one day and spend 10 hours there and then say, okay, tonight I will have biceps this big. No, you won't. It's better to have five minutes a day for two years. Mm-hmm. Same things with languages. Mm-hmm. You just have to find somebody you can practice with. Or some language coaches that you can practice. Yeah, if only I knew someone like that, Mm. right? Maybe we'll think of someone. (laughs) Once again, Vera, you have delivered a fantastic 
segment of La Vera Italia, and we have learned more interesting Italian words and as well as Italian cures and home remedies. Thank you again so much. It's just in time for fall and winter and cool weather that we can learn about all these different ways to recover and keep from getting sick in the first place at home. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Grazie a te. Grazie a voi. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I'm so glad to be here and I'll see you next week then. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Vera. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Oh, isn't Vera the best? I love spending time with her and hearing her thoughts about Italy. She's such an expert and such a pleasure to listen to. Her and I just had such an amazing coaching session that we're going to share with you. We had a breakthrough. We had a moment where we had a breakthrough moment. Have any of you watched or, or have you read the story of Helen Keller and the Miracle Worker? After two hours, our two-hour coaching session, Vera, I was telling Vera that I felt like I was experiencing that scene from the movie The Miracle Worker, where where Helen Keller has that breakthrough and she she understands her very first word, her signed word that her teacher has has signed to her. She finally got one word, which is the word for water. And I felt like that sort of happened in our coaching session. And Vera and I were just having this like, like aha moment. It was so crazy. So we're going to, we're going to share the story in an upcoming episode with you. But anyway, make sure that if you need an Italian language coach, that you reach out to Vera at kikelanguage.com. I've got all the links also on my website. So you can go to imovingtoitaly.com and you can check out those links for Vera's website. She is the world's best Italian language coach. And how cool that also, not only is she an Italian language coach, she also has a second career where she translates books, novels into Italian from English. Vera is just, uh, she just is incredible. She blows my mind. Not only is she a delight to spend time with, but also she just is incredible when it comes to languages. So be sure to check out kikelanguage.com. All right, well, that brings us to our surrounding sounds for this episode. And I'm going to be sharing with you some clips of some news reports about the Italian election that just took place, and also a little bit of some people from Georgia Maloney's party. Enjoy those sounds, and I will be back afterwards to say goodbye. the Italian political system, this is very complicated, it's very complex, but if you look at the projections, and I want to stress, this is the start of a very long night, but if you look at the projections, Giorgia Meloni, the head of Brothers of Italy, Fratelli d'Italia, would be the big winner of the night, and of course that puts the Italian right on track to form the next government. Of course, Giorgia Meloni is, is controversial, there's no point uh, sugarcoating that. She would argue this is a conservative revolution for Italy, but others would say this has taken the country back maybe 30 years, 40 years. So, of course, uh, politically, it is a big change. And again, I want to stress, these are projections, still a very long night to come. This is a very complicated political system. But overall, if I had to give you just a very quick takeaway, it's the end of the Mario Draghi era, and it's the start of Giorgia Meloni with everything that could come with her. 
and everything could be a lot of uncertainty for the markets. And yet, when it comes to the bond markets in Italy and the spread between the Italian and German bonds, there doesn't really seem to be that big of a reaction. What's the significance of this? Yeah, you have to look at the political story here, but also the market story. And I think when you look at the market story, the BTP market has not been as volatile as you would expect heading into an election because there has been no talk about intellects. So remember, this was a big thing four years ago, whether this country or not uh, did see a future for itself in the European Union. There has been no talk around the euro. And of course, you still have the European Central Bank very active in this market. I think going forward, however, and this is really will be the big issue, there's a number of things uh, to watch out for. First is the balance of power within this coalition, whether or not she's able to really cement her will on power. The other is the finance minister. That is the key name uh, to take away from this. And then, of course, there's a way she'll have to or will have to manage the energy crisis that Italy is facing, just like any other European country, those bills. This is going to be a big issue for the Italian economy and the potential downturn that will come with it. But for the time being, I think this is a story that, of course, combines the actions of the European Central Bank, but also the fact that in this election, this idea around intellect, yes or no to the euro, has really, frankly, played a very small role, if not no role at all. In the, in the new world, we must bring all the best of our present and past. And uh, we, we think that in, in, in the future, um, our values are still um, important. Um, we, we think uh, that, that uh, there's a lot of things to do, but if you don't start with your values, if you are not uh, uh, well linked uh, to your values, uh, uh, you can fail. Uh, so we don't want failure. What about your connection to your history? What connection is there to, you know, you, you're, you're from a country, Italy, which has a, a, a link back to a fascist past, Mussolini, uh, a fascist leader. To, to what extent has your party uh, has a relationship with, with him, uh, with, with, with that history? No, there's no, no link. Uh, this is a, a very strange narrative, uh, uh, very, very far from, from the reality from Italy. Uh, we have no link uh, with fascist, uh, fascism, uh, with um, post-fascism or neo-fascism. <laughs> I don't know uh, really why, especially out uh, um, in the in the world, uh, out of Italy, uh, there is this uh, narrative. I think that um, uh, maybe the left uh, to 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 um, to combat our ideas uh, um, try to to deform. To change uh, the, the the reality, but uh, uh, it's strange. It's strange for us. We don't have uh, so many so many fascists in Italy. Yeah. We only have Italians that want some some uh, easy things um, from the politics, uh, and we try to uh, to defend. Uh, uh, their interests. Uh, we are a conservative, uh, a classic conservative party. Uh, Giorgio Meloni uh, is also the leader of ECR, the European Conservatives and Reformist Party. Um, we are similar to the, the Tories or the Republican Party in the USA or, or the Likud in Israel. Uh, we are, this, we are in, in this way, uh, not, not another way. I hope you enjoyed those surrounding sounds from this week's episode. 
thank you so much for coming back and joining me for another episode. I love being here with you each week. It is truly one of the bright points of each week for me. I look forward to upcoming episodes. I've got so many wonderful things I'm going to be sharing with you this season, so be sure to stay tuned. Thank you for leaving your five-star reviews on the podcast and for reaching out and sharing your stories with me as well. And so wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice this week, I hope you are healthy and well, and I look forward to being back here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.